Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. I'm sorry for what I said, and I'm sorry for how I said it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, are you kidding? You have no feelings to hurt. I'm so sorry. Sorry. That's a nice thought, but sadly it means nothing coming from you. This is really going to hurt. I I... don't even want to look at you right now. We're sorry. Now you did something that I cannot easily forgive. I'm Jim Burns. Well, you're probably familiar with the expression, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Well, you may not be aware of how true that sentiment really is. It is totally unnatural to want to forgive someone who's hurt you. However, there are more than just spiritual benefits available when you do offer forgiveness. Your physical and your emotional health will improve as well. Well, during the next half hour, Dr. Dave Stoop and I will talk about the healing power of forgiveness. So keep it right here on Homework. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh, and in just a moment, we're going to hear part two of Jim's continuing conversation with Dr. Dave Stoop. He's the author of the book, Forgiving the Unforgivable. And sometimes when you face a, a situation that is very, very hurtful, uh, damaging, destructive, and, uh, and you wonder, how can I ever forgive that person? How can I ever forgive myself? It's so liberating to know that uh, the healing power of forgiveness is that uh, that could be one of the greatest gifts you can actually give yourself is to be able to either extend forgiveness to someone or be forgiven by somebody else. And uh, that's our theme today here on the broadcast. And at the end of the program, I'll have information on how you can get a full-length audio CD of this program as well. But right now, here's Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today we're talking with Dr. David Stoop. He is the author of over 20 books, including the book that we're talking about today, Forgiving the Unforgivable, and also a great book called The Complete Parent Book, where he has been an editor and contributor to that. PhD from the University of Southern California, founder and director of the Center for the Family Therapy in Newport Beach, California, married to his wonderful wife, Jen, who I know. I always call her the better half. Dave, welcome back. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation last time about forgiving the unforgivable, because you really were putting it in a good place where when we forgive, it's not up to the other person, it's up to us. And that's Mm -hmm. really a freeing aspect of it. Well, I think there are some myths with forgiveness, and you have that so well in your book. Talk about the myth of forgive and forget. You know, I, I teach in other cultures, you know, and, and I was with a, a Korean school recently up in Canada, and and I was teaching about forgiveness, and I asked them, you know, have you ever heard in your culture, in the Korean culture, the saying forgive and forget? And they said, oh, yeah. And it's a multicultural myth, you know, and you can find it back in the 12th century English literature that statement, forgive and forget. So it's, I think it's become a part of our genetic makeup. It's so old. And it's a lie. Uh, it is not a human characteristic to be, be able to forgive and forget. And in fact, sometimes it can be dangerous to forgive and forget. I had a young woman who had been molested by her father when she was eight years old, and she came in because her father had done the same thing now to her eight-year-old daughter. And she didn't tell me about her story at first. She's just talking about her daughter and how her father was now arrested and in jail for this and how broken she was, you know. And then when she told me about what he had done to her, you know, she really fell apart. And I said, 
and she regained her composure a bit. I said, what did you do about what he did to you? And she said, well, I went through counseling, and I worked on forgiving him. Then I believed that I had to act like it had never happened, which is right. to forget. See? Right. And I didn't say anything. I just let her sit with it. You know, she very quickly understood, you know, I guess when I forgot, I set my daughter up for the same thing. See? So it was very dangerous for her to forget. We want to do that, I think, especially as Christians, we want to forgive and forget because we think, you know, that's how God does it. You know, he takes our sin, he buries it in the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone, you know, and, and we say, I will well, remember your sin no more. So, yeah. so in essence, mm -hmm. you're saying we don't do it the way God has done no, it No, we don't, see, and the reason we don't is that God doesn't need to learn anything in the process. He knows everything. So he can forgive and he can erase it. He can wipe it out as if it never happened. But for us to do that, that's dangerous. For humans, the human pattern is we forgive and remember. And, and the way I hear this often is, I haven't forgotten, therefore I must not have forgiven. And, and I say, no, that has nothing to do with your, be, your forgiving. Your forgiving and remembering is the human way to do it because we need to learn things when we forgive. I, I may forgive you several times for something, but in that process, I need to remember, you know, you've got this funny quirk that's hurtful to me, and I need to be careful with you. I need to set some appropriate limits in that situation so you can't hurt me. And if I remember that, I can protect mm -hmm. myself. See, if I forget that, then I just expose myself to ongoing hurt. So uh, forgiving and forgetting is, is not a human characteristic. It's forgiving and remembering. Then people say, well, I don't want to remember. It's painful. I say, I know, I know that. I know that in my own experience. See, here's what I do. When I remember something that's painful that I've forgiven or I've been forgiven, I say, not only remember what the painful thing is, I remember the forgiving process. I remind myself of what I went through to forgive or to be forgiven. And then I take it a step further because if it's the enemy bringing this to my mind, I want to defeat him. And I also remember how much God in Christ has forgiven me. I want to put it in that context. Mm -hmm. And, and if so I take that pain, I remember my forgiving, and then I remember my forgiveness, how God has forgiven It really me. is a spiritual issue. Uh, let me give you another myth, true or false. I should try to forgive others quickly and completely. Yeah, that's false, that's a myth, uh, it's a lie, see. But again, it comes out of our misconceptions of, of spiritual growth and development, see. Uh, we wanna be conformed to the image of Christ. So how long does it take God in Christ to forgive me. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess, instant, instant forgiveness, no question. Not only does he forgive me, he cleanses me completely. See? Uh, and so I wanna be like God, and so you hurt me, and if I hesitate a moment mm -hmm. as you ask for forgiveness, you say, what's wrong? Aren't you a Christian? You have to mm -hmm. forgive me. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> and I may wanna say, oh, I know that, but I'm not ready yet. I don't feel right. like I'm there yet, so, uh, you know, check with me tomorrow. <laughs> we have a mutual friend who's, who's uh, we were with on a weekend and, and he did something stupid in, in about 10 in the morning and he asked his wife for forgiveness and she said no. And he said, well, what time will the forgiveness come? And she said, five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's healthy. Yeah, it was. And, and so we were curious, what's going to happen? Are we going to have a miserable day? Well, the day went great, you know, but as it got to five o'clock, I thought, oh, what's going to happen here? And so a little after five, he reminds his wife, he says, hey, it's five o'clock for goodness time, and she thought a moment, and she said, okay, you're forgiven. So that was a seven-hour offense. <laughs> fabulous, that's a, that's a great yeah. illustration. And, and so we need to take our time. God took his time in forgiving us, see? Because sin didn't start, you know, when I did this mm -hmm. sinful act. It started back in the garden. Mm -hmm. 
in the garden is when sin started. There's a process that started there in the promise of forgiveness and the implication of a sacrifice that was made. And then all through the Old Testament, there's this temporary symbolic forgiveness that's looking ahead to the cross where Jesus finally says it's forgiven. So God takes from the garden to the cross to go through a process of forgiving. You know, I say, if he can take his time, what's my rush, you know? And so now I'm after the cross. I live 2,000 years later. So when I sin, I can say, forgive me. And he looks back at the cross and he says, oh, it's been taken care of. Mm -hmm. You're forgiven. And only that, you're cleansed from everything. Mm -hmm. so, you know, I need to, you know, you bump into me as we leave this room and you say, I'm sorry. I say, you, you, will you forgive me? I say, well, I don't know. Call me later today yeah. and I'll tell you. That's, I'll call you at five o'clock today. Yeah, today that's kind of silly because that's, you know, sure. we usually say, oh, excuse me. Sure. You know, and exactly. you say, oh, no problem. See? And when I forgive too quickly, basically, I'm not forgiving. I'm simply excusing behavior, okay. which is an invitation to do it again. But at the same time, you can wait too long and it begins to affect oh, you and bitterness and anger. Me. Yeah. Sure. So I need, you know, that's where I need accountability in my life. That's where I need to pay attention to what the Lord is telling me and, and, and to be open to to guidance in that because it you know there's a proverb that says only the heart knows its own bitterness mm. and no stranger shares its joy mm. so you know it's it couples bitterness with joy mm. and we do that in our language you talk about a pity party yeah. you know and that's what that proverb is speaking about so there's a danger in kind of getting into the victimy kind of mm. poor me thing because it's seductive it can just kind of pull us down and that's why we need to have that kind of accountability in our life that moves us towards forgiveness is it okay to be angry and of course it's of course it's okay to be angry paul says be angry but don't sin so obviously there's a way to be angry that's sinful and there's a way to be angry that's not sinful and i think i think a normal part of of our healing and forgiveness is to grieve and grieving has those two facets of being angry and being sad now the problem is Women tend to get hung up on the sadness and afraid to do the anger, so they get stuck in the process. Men tend to get hung up on the anger because they're afraid to be sad because it's not manly, and they get stuck in the process. And for us to move healthily through that process of forgiving, I need to allow myself to be angry and to be sad. And again, that's where it's helpful to have somebody that I'm accountable with, you know, in a small group or somebody that's, that's going to say, you know, I don't see the anger or I don't see the sadness. You need to give yourself permission. And we need to be moving through this to get to the place where you can cancel the debt. When we come back, I want to talk about radical forgiveness. We're talking with Dr. David Stoop. He's the author of Forgiving the Unforgivable. Great stuff today. It certainly is, and it's very helpful. It's a recurring theme here in the Homeward Ministry. There is healing power in forgiveness. It's amazing uh, how once we embrace this concept, uh, how easy it is to actually do. And the healing is genuine, it's real, it's lasting, it's full. If you want to learn more information about the healing power of forgiveness, by the way, go to homeward.com, hit the Articles and Media tab, and just type in the keyword forgiveness. And you'll be amazed at how many different uh, tip sheets we've put together on these articles that Jim has written, even some video clips as well. They're all available to you without cost at Homeward.com. Do you have any idea how much you hurt my feelings last night? All right, so now I'm the bad guy. You think I enjoy your tirades night after night after Just night? Just once I would appreciate an apology from you. For what? I'm not the one who started the argument. If your marriage hasn't been through a storm, hang on, because most likely it's only a matter of time before it will. The question is, will your marriage still be standing after the storm has passed? I'm Jim Burns from Homework. One of the best ways to begin rebuilding your relationship after a storm is to genuinely be concerned about how the storm might have hurt your spouse. Research shows that one of the major sources of stress in a marriage is the resentment that can build up after a storm is over. 
Forgiveness can play a major role in the rebuilding process. It's important that both of you give and receive forgiveness after a conflict is passed. For a copy of my free tip sheet on the healing power of forgiveness, go to Homeward.com. I'm Jim Burns. Welcome back to Homeward. Today we're talking about forgiving the unforgivable. Forgiveness is a completely unnatural act, as Dr. David Stoop says. It's impossible for us to do it on our own, but it brings supernatural healing. Dave, as you were talking about this, I just kept sensing that this was, we're talking about forgiveness. I didn't think we were going to have such a spiritual conversation, but you keep coming back to the fact that, that we've seen Christ forgive us. We've experienced that as Christians, and so we're called to do the same thing, but it's, it's, it's just not an easy act. No, it's not, and it's an unnatural, non, almost an unhuman act, but it's something that God modeled for us through Christ. And, and then we're called on to model it in our own life as, as followers of his. So I think as believers, we have an edge over the general population because we have that experience of being forgiven uh, this, this great debt that we could never pay, the debt of sin. Are there physical benefits to forgiving? Oh, definitely. There was, you know, years ago I was doing the Minerth Meyer Clinic program back in Dallas, and, and we were talking about forgiveness, and somebody brought in something that I've never been able to find, so don't call, you know, the program to say where is it. <laughs> but it was a, a report out of one of the East Coast medical schools where they had, instead of looking at diseases as a cause of death, they were looking at attitudes as causes of death. And, and the number one cause of death that they listed on this, and this was a secular university, said was a spirit of unforgiveness. So I would say a spirit of unforgiveness is number one, and probably unresolved anger is number two. And they kind of go together, because if I'm not going to forgive, I just kind of hold on to my anger. Hmm. And it'll destroy me. It'll eat away at me in the inside. You know, there, there was a fascinating uh, study done some years ago by a medical uh, oncologist where he was helping people uh, who were terminally diagnosed uh, with their attitudes. And one of the things that he taught was how to deal with anger more effectively and how to deal with forgiveness more mm -hmm. effectively. And as people were successful in those, they, were, they went into remission many mm -hmm. times. And then he followed up on them, and those who relapsed often died very quickly from the disease that was just kind of lurking there, waiting for them to go back to the old patterns. So a spirit of unforgiveness is going to be, uh, it's going to eat away at me physically as well as spiritually. It'll destroy my spiritual life as well. Now you talk about a path of denial. It seems like many people are in denial when it comes to, to the, even the need for this, and that's how yeah. it sometimes eats them up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't want to give credibility to, uh, you know, to the pain that was caused because I don't know what to do with the pain. And I, I see this with people that I work with where I, you know, I'm kind of overwhelmed by what they're describing is what they experienced. And I say, you know, how do you handle this? Well, it's no problem. You know, I just move on. That's the way I deal with my life, you know. And obviously it's not working. Yeah. And, and to get them to slow down and to begin to look at it is, is a key. And sometimes I have to depersonalize it almost for them. And I say, now, if this was happening to a young kid next door to you that you really cared about, you know, what would you feel? Oh, I'd be angry, you know. Take us through the path of denial. Walk us through maybe somebody, obviously not a real person, but kind of walk us through that whole idea, the path of denial. Well, the, the path of, see, there's always a hurt that, that, that leads us in the beginning of the path. You know, an offense occurs and we experience the hurt and then we make a choice. Now, we can either, the path of denial can begin with denying the hurt or just blaming and cutting that person off. Well, that person hurt me and I don't want anything to do with it. And in cutting them off, 
you know, I basically shut myself down. And as I shut myself down, uh, one of the consequences of my shutting myself down is that I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to end up depressed. Because when I shut off the hurt, when I shut off the pain, those emotional things, I also shut off then the good feelings. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I lower the whole level of emotional responsiveness that I have in myself. And that's basically a state of depression is when I shut myself off. So the path of denial, when there's been great hurt, and I get into denial or I cut the person off and just blame them and say, you know, you're out of my life and don't deal with the pain, that's one of the roots of depression. And so sometimes when these people are depressed, it's not a, a, a clinical physiological issue. It's really something that happened in some ways psychological and spiritual. Yeah, and, and, and shut them down. They're emotionally deadened. They've become yeah. frozen emotionally. And, and that's basically a good definition of depression is that I'm emotionally dead on the inside. Because yeah, depression, there's no movement in depression. See, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of dead in the water. Yeah. Uh, sadness often feels like depression, but there's movement through sadness. As I, as I experience sadness, that's a part of grieving, and I move through that, and there's healing that comes out of that. But nothing comes out of depression except deadness. You also talk about a path of bitterness. Where does the issue of bitterness come in when, it's, when you're dealing with forgiveness? Well, again, it comes out of the choice that I make after I experience the hurt. And, and what I do, the bitterness comes when I, when I get stuck in the blame. You know, I, I tell and retell the event. You know, I, it becomes almost a way of life for me. It, I remember a woman who, uh, a couple who came, and she, he had had an affair four years earlier. And, and for the last four years, she had been analyzing and diagnosing and researching why he had this affair. She took her out to lunch a couple times to question her. She became obsessed with it, you know. And, and basically, you know, I marvel that this man was still able to, to live with her because she was so bitter and, and caustic and angry at, at what was going on. Because the more she got into it, the more she told, the more she dug, the more she had to deal with. And, and uh, you know, we accuse and, and we obsess about it. And eventually, you know, uh, we isolate and withdraw into our own bitterness. And that was the prediction, you know, nothing I could do could change what this woman was doing. And eventually she was going to either die Mm -hmm. from the bitterness and or she was going to withdraw and isolate into and, and just cut him off and live a, in a, an isolated lifestyle. You know, it, it, on a much smaller basis, I remember when I was in college, a, a guy who lived near me uh, told me a lie. Mm -hmm. He told me he was a star athlete and I actually saw the uh, the results of the state and he wasn't on the team or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was so frustrated and it got me so upset and it made me mad that he was doing fine. Now, I'd not even communicated. <laughs> Finally, when I confronted him, you know, he broke down. He said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I w I'm, I'm just really healthy on his part. He said, you know, I did that because I want to impress you. And I'm, I'm just so sorry. Well, at that point, all I could do is kind of put my arms around him and say, of course, oh, I yeah. forgive you. But here I was walking around bitter. Well, see, not forgiving someone. Someone says not forgiving someone is like taking poison and thinking it's going to kill the other person. Yeah. You know, I'm the one that, I'm the one that gets great destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's you, you just illustrated that in that picture. You're the right. one that's struggling with this thing because you're holding on to it, and, and instead of going and and confronting the person or dealing with it internally, if the person wasn't available, uh, and and if the guy had said, you know. I don't know what your problem is. I didn't lie to you. You know, that was true. And you got wrong information and he denied. You still had to come to a place where you just say, you know, I, I forgive. I, I don't understand it, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to cancel debt because I don't want it eating away at me. Right. And that's, that's really healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in every way. Talk to the person who needs to ask for forgiveness but just doesn't have the courage to go to that person that they really have offended. 
And, you know, they kind of want to, but mm -hmm. they're ashamed and feeling incredible shame, and they just don't know what to do. What do, they, what do you say to that person? Well, this, this is where, uh, you know, one of those passages that people use to try to couple reconciliation and forgiveness together uh, comes into play, you know, where Jesus said, if you're bringing your gift to the altar, and then you remember that someone has ought against you, so I'm, I am the perpetrator now. I'm not the giver. I'm the one needing it. He says, you leave your gift there, and you go and make things right with that person. Then come back and offer your gift. See? Now, if I go to that person, and they just shine me on and, and don't want to deal with it, I'm still free now to come back and worship. So basically what Jesus is saying is that if I know I've done something to offend, and I'm not willing to deal with it, you know, hey, I've, I've put up a wall between myself and God. Uh, he's not going to hear me. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to accept my gift. He doesn't even want to notice that it's there because there's something I need to do on a human level to resolve this thing, and I'm not doing it. So I'm basically walking in disobedience. And that's, that's where grace comes in. If I understand how he has forgiven me and how I can come, you know, Romans 5 describes my status. I was, I was a sinner. I was rebellious. I was his enemy. You know, and in that state, God looked at you, he looked at me, and he said, you know, I see all those traits in you, but I love you enough to send my son to die for you and to provide forgiveness for you. See, now, if he can do that, you know, uh, then what am I holding back from? Now, if the other person holds back and doesn't want to forgive, now the burden's on them, and I'm free. Shifts the burden. See, shifts the burden. Dave Stoop, thank you so much for being with us. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you talking about subjects like this. It is so freeing for not only our listeners, but for me as well. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's a joy to be with you. And that concludes Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Dr. Dave Stoop here on the Homeward Broadcast. Our theme has been the healing power of forgiveness. If you missed any part of this program, remember we stream audio of the Monday through Friday edition of this program. And when you go to homeward.com, hit the radio broadcast tab. It'll take you right to our page. And then you can hit the podcasting button and it'll get you right there. <laughs> Set you right on up. It takes you right to our site on iTunes. And then you can start podcasting along with us with the Monday through Friday edition of this program. And it's uh, something that it's nice to be able to have just a bunch of programs to listen to all in a row. And Jim, uh, this is such a great topic for us to discuss. It, it gives us uh, a lot of freeing power to really feel true and lasting forgiveness. It gets right to the point. And this is one of the major ones, you know, forgiveness. I think there's a lot of people in their marriages who are sleeping near each other, but not in a good relationship because they're angry and they haven't worked through the forgiveness issue. They're waiting for that other person to say, will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. When what they need to do is forgive themselves. And I think there's also some parents who are struggling with their kids and with other extended family issues. So this is a, this is a key topic. And anytime we ever talk about forgiveness on the air, uh, lots of people want help because they're saying that they have this issue in their own life. And again, what we tend to do is we tend to point at the other person. And as Gary Smalley taught me, when you're pointing your finger at that other person, there are four fingers pointing right back at you. And so I think we need to do the work to overcome the issues of our own anger and our own bitterness. And what Davis taught us is that the process of forgiveness is, is freedom. Let me tell you a story. Mm -hmm. This morning in my small group Bible study, my good friend Randy Brammel gave a word picture and I thought, boy, this is, this is it. He said, you know, dealing with anger and forgiveness, that happened to be our topic this morning as well in our Bible study, is he said, it's like putting a knife in your shoulder and then just letting it go and kind of ignoring it. So after a while, it sort of heals back up and you got this knife sticking out of your shoulder and it looks really dumb <laughs> yeah. and you sort of forget about it. Now, ever so often you bump into that knife and oh, it hurts and you kind yeah. of say, ow, but you're now used to it. So what you really need to do is you need to do some radical surgery and pull the knife out. When you pull the knife out, it's going to bleed and it's going to hurt, but then it's going to cover up. There will be a scar, nevertheless, 
but there is freedom in the fact that you, now you don't have this knife sticking in your shoulder. And I thought, what a great illustration. For some of our listeners, what you need to do right now is do some radical surgery and figuratively speaking, pull the knife out of your shoulder and do the work that it's going to take to forgive someone who actually has offended you. And in that process, you will be free spiritually, emotionally, and physically. That's a great word of encouragement as we conclude this edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Again, our theme today has been the healing power of forgiveness. We stream this audio at homeward.com, and there's no cost involved to you at all. If you want to access it, just go to homeword.com, hit the radio broadcast tab, and that'll take you right to our daily half hour, our weekly half hour, our weekly full hour, and our 60-second short feature releases of this program. And the reason we're able to do this without subscription fees is because of your prayers and faithful financial support. Simply put, uh, your donations help to sustain us. I mean, they keep us on the air, and they keep us broadcasting and streaming and all those things that, uh, all the production costs that go along with putting that together. If you can give a gift here right now as we near the end of our fiscal year at the end of June, we would love to hear from you a gift of $50, $100, $250 or more at homeward.com. Thanks for donating. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.